You're live from the Stew Podcast with me, Robbie Digital. What up? Hope you're doing well. Hope you look good, feel good, keeping warm. It's kind of cold in New York right now, so I hope you know you, you bundled up. But if you really want to get warm, let's get into this episode. On this week's episode, we're talking to a good friend of mine by the name of Heck. Heck, I've admired from afar for a while just what he's created in New York City, especially Uptown, with We Run Uptown Run Club. From him talking about his depression, seeing his way through it, and creating a run club that has changed New York City for the past eight years, we get into his life. Now, he came from the Heights and the Stoop to where he is today. Live from the Stoop Podcast, Robbie Digital. Sit back, relax. Let's go. Welcome to Live from the Stoop Podcast with me, Robbie Digital. Uh, it's it's pretty good. We're like really into fall right now. I'm pretty excited. I'm getting to wear my pea coats with my hoodies and keeping my hoodies. Might I add, ladies, keeping my hoodies. Um, I do have a guest today. Um, someone I've admired from afar, who's definitely changed my perception of perseverance and determination, and really embodies what an athlete looks like, as well as inspiring. Uh, People who look like him and his community. Heck, what's going on, man? Yo, what's good? What's good? You need to get into writing eulogies, you know? Because <laughs> it sounded really good, you know. He, he was like, "Yo, who is this guy?" You didn't even know. No, 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 no. I was waiting. I was waiting for the for the name. He uh, was like, "Wow, like you talking about me?" <laughs> what's good? What's good? I'm here. Live. How are you, man? I'm good. Feeling good. Living better. Um, it's uh, it's been one hell of a year. Tell tell me about it. Um, uh, but I'm finally out of healthcare, so I'm really excited about that. You know, ten years and uh, ten years at uh, Columbia Presbyterian Hospital, and now I get to uh, to say goodbye to the hospital. So I'm I'm really happy. I'm in very good spirits. You know, everything in my life is going the exact way that it should be. Both of my kids are excelling in school. Um, I, my family's uh, is, is together and well. You know, me and my beautiful fiance. My career, thank you, thank you. My career is going the way it should be going. Ruku just turned eight. Uh, things are great. I, I love, I love the excitement in your voice. I think what oftentimes, as as millennials and as creatives, sometimes we never know if there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Um. We oftentimes put on like this really good front of being happy, and then there's like turmoil in the inside. You look like you finally have the storm has cleared. It's beautiful weather. You're like in a really great space, well, and that's well, great. We're on to a say. beach somewhere, you know, on a beach yeah. in Punta Cana. Yeah, like, up, I can know? feel it. It's a vibe. It's a vibe. It's a vibe. Um, I feel like so with me and something that I've done really well over the last eight years. You know, social media was is new. Uh, yes, yeah. eight years, nine years old. At least Instagram is, and. I, I noticed that a lot of people just focused on 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 their highlights, yeah. and I allowed everyone to not only f- see my highlights but also see my lowlights. You know, and, yeah. and I don't know if that's a term, but yeah, it is. But I, I wanted people to 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 not only celebrate with me but also cry with me. Also, like you know, when I started uh, my mental health journey and started going to therapy, I was very open about that, and mm. and I I just I get goosebumps just talking about it. But it's the uh, being able to share who I really was, you know, a lot of people 
are one person on the on the gram and another person yep. in real life. That's I am who I am, no matter what. You know that yelling you see, uh, like me. This is who I really am. This isn't a facade. People that get to meet me, they're like, oh, cool. This is really him. You know. I think what happens. I often I often say that um, Instagram is what you want people to see, and then Twitter is how you think. Ah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anytime, like, I'm still single, running around, being wild. <laughs> so anytime I meet a girl, like, I'll, I'll still give me your Instagram, and then they'll find my Instagram and be like, oh, your Twitter is completely different. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty. That's still like my solitude. It's my mind talking. Yeah, yeah. that's. I'm. That's where I'm at. Two o'clock in the morning, just random thoughts. So, but I, I do want to get. Dig a little deep. So let's let's go back. Let's do like, it. Like before we get to the what. Let's get to what took us to get to Putakai in the beach. Let's, yeah. let's go back. Let's go. Let's go. Let's so deep. where are you from? I am born and raised uh, uptown Washington Heights, let's NYC. Um, I, I I fly my uptown flag very very uh very proudly as you should. Um, I was born and raised on 168th Street. Between Audubon and Amsterdam, so not a not a lot happened on my block. I was smack dab in the middle of a precinct, two, three schools, and the hospital. Yes. Um. So I always had to vent, and there was no people my age on one sixty eight. So I, I often had to venture to other blocks to hang out with my friends, and and I got to know the heights fair uh, like fairly well. What was a typical Saturday for you? It depends what age. I need a. Let's say let's say eleven year old heck. What was a typical Saturday? So everyone in my hood was wanted to play ball. I sucked at basketball. Like I was really really bad. <laughs> but all my friends were fairly good. You know, like decent. Yeah. They were decent. Yeah, you know? they were decent enough to be on the team. So we used to do this thing called FYI, like Fresh Youth Initiative YBL. Like uh, basketball yeah. league, yeah. you brought two cans of food and $20 and you got to play. Yeah. So this is the only way I was going to hang out with my friends. <laughs> you know, my friends were going to these to these leagues and I would go. I would usually play the bench, but, you know, you would learn like fundamentals and you would learn yeah. how to dribble and like fire feet and the L shot. Like I literally, my first <laughs> the game, elbow jump. Yeah, my first game, yeah. I took an L shot. Like I put, and you weren't supposed to do that in the game. That was only for practice. But um, he's like, look, I see Sean Marion doing it. I'm doing it. That was that was uh that was like my Saturdays, you know, or I was uh, wake woken up by like a big plate of mangu. My mom was really big on Saturday morning breakfast, um. So you would eat breakfast like I never had cereal for breakfast. That was like I I wanted cereal. Mom would be like, no, that's not food, you know. So we had to have like that big Dominican breakfast. It's funny that you say that. So um, my mom, God bless her, man, was the same way. So Saturdays. When we would be, because you know, like we would go to school during the week and it was a busy week, but Saturdays was a day like we would have breakfast. So she would get up, grits with cheese, eggs, biscuits, bacon, orange juice, cranberry juice, and we would sit at the table and eat breakfast. And she was like, the reason why is like Saturday is a day like you can watch your cartoons and stuff, but. This is our day to kind of like just do whatever and dial in and just yeah. as a family. I, I, I it's one of the things that I look that I look back. Me, and my, my sister just sent me uh, like a statistic. Uh, like we're up seventy percent of parent of people who live with both parents. 
of uh, kids who are growing up with both parents. And mm -hmm. and I made a joke. I was like, that was us, you know? And, and a lot of our friends just didn't have that. Mm -hmm. And they would always come to my house. And my mom was is, is, is this warm, loving person. Mm -hmm. You know, she, like, her love language is like servitude. She wants to make sure that you feel at home. Like, what mm -hmm. can I make you? Can I give you some water? Can I get you? There's nothing to drink here. I'll go to the store and get it for you. That was my mom. You know? Everybody wanted to come to my mom's house. Like, one day, like, my mom cooked, like, burgers for the whole, like, complex. And my friends were like, yo, your mom makes the best food. And it's awkward when you realize that, like, you have the quintessential mom in yeah. the neighborhood. And people look to your house as, like, a safe haven. But it's the reason why you are the man you are today. And I am the man I am today, you know? And, and like... It's it's what I had. That was my my Saturday mornings. Like you know, I, I'm I like legit got goosebumps just talking about this. But it was uh, that's what you that's what we want here. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's what we real, go for. It was real. It was real. That's what we go for. <laughs> but that was my Saturday. If not, I was doing like a lot of running errands with my dad, mm -hmm. um, which was dope because we got to like our, our one on ones and mm -hmm. and got you know two twelve with my pops. Yeah, like although I grew up in a single parent household, me and my dad's relationship. We had moments like my and and it was like super. It's funny like dads have super highlighted moments where like it may not your moment may not be their moment. Like my dad was like, "Yo, you remember when we watched The Matrix?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I didn't know what I was watching, Dad. I didn't know the story. All I knew is the nigga dodged bullets, and it was amazing." Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, "But you remember Toy Story, right?" And I'm like, "Dad, I remember." So it's always interesting what like they what they pick. In the moment that it is for you with them, whether it be highlight, low life, or whatever the case may be, I always find that interesting. So, siblings, you have siblings. Siblings. So, I'm I am the oldest boy. I have uh, it's five of us. I have two older siblings, um, a little sister, and a little brother. They're not little. They're grown. They're grown as uh, yeah, adults. You know? now, yeah. yeah, they're people. I, they're still my little sister, still, my little brother. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. Uh, but it's it's. Uh, it, it was it was very interesting growing up in a in a one and a half bedroom, you know, because that's what it was. We yeah. had one and a half bedroom. Like the our our bedroom was tiny, and we all like we made it work, you know. We were all, you know, especially like after school. Like if I, I was home, like I would, if I would bring a girlfriend home, I would like lock the door. Everybody knew like I better give this kid like twenty thirty minutes. You know, my sister would give me thirty minutes before she started banging on the door. Swag. It was dope. Much much definitely needed. I think. Uh, it wasn't until like we when we moved down south, we got our own room. Me and my brother shared the room, and I learned like, okay, so this is what college is like, and and learning how to deal with people. <laughs> so and you learn that at a very young age of like different personalities. So I was I could only imagine like getting up in the morning, fighting to get in the bathroom. Yeah, it was always and and the thing was like we we knew we had like there were blocked off times. Like, we couldn't be in the bathroom when it was my dad's time to get dressed. Like, we couldn't be in the way or when it was like my, my mom or my dad when they had to get ready for work. So if we had to go somewhere earlier than they did, we had to make sure we were ready before they got up to start their day. So you had to plan the night to get in, in the yeah, morning. Yeah, because then you would, get, you would get barked on. And you know, because my parents are like, we were talking about this earlier, I'm, yeah. very, I'm very punctual. Like, I don't play with people's time. And, like, that was something that was instilled in me from, like, a very young age where, yeah. like, my dad is like, yo, if you're going to be late, just don't show up. You know, yeah. My dad was always, uh, if you're ten minutes early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. Yeah, I've and as a creative, it's uh, 
it's a discipline that is very, very necessary. It's it's probably more important. Punctuality and deadline commitment is more important than the actual creativity of the project that you're doing. It's me and my fiance's biggest argument because it's like, bro, I told you four hours ago that we were we had to be there by six. Like, it's five thirty. <laughs> what do you mean you still need twenty more minutes? You know, you had all day. Like, you know, and I, I love her to death, but it's literally like I t- like if we're gonna go out, it's always like for the first twenty minutes in the car, we're mad at each other because I just rushed there, and I'm like, yo, bro, it starts. At I six. literally told you what time we had yeah, to. Yeah, like I think it was one time I went to go see. Uh, she's gonna hate me if she hears this, but we went to. I went to. I went on a date with a girl. And I go to the movies by myself. I'm very big about going to the movies by myself. I know people like think like movies is a family thing. The stigma behind it. Fuck that. I like going by myself. I love the experience by myself. It's yeah. something about me doing it, just me. Like yeah. it's my time, especially with Marvel movies. And you know, like we're around the same age, so like we grew up watching the cartoons turn into actual movies now. Yeah, yeah. So it's very personal to me. Girl says she wants to go. She's like, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. I'm like, it was my day off. I really don't want to take you. I tell her what time. Movie starts at 4. I said, where are you? I, I hit her up at 3.30. She's like, I'm getting on the train. You're getting on the train and the movie starts at 4? I'm going to miss the previews. I'm going to miss the whole process. <laughs> the previews, you know. Like, <laughs> like this is, oh, so I, I, I know. I know what it is to be on time. Like, that's very, very important. That's a big thing for me. Big thing for me. Uh, and I know, I know we just like super sidetracked, but that's how these things go, right? You know. Yeah, that's 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 the beauty of podcasting. So, you growing up, hanging out with your dad. How was school? School was dope. Um, I went to. It's kind of like what made me, what molded me, who I am. Um, I went to school uptown on my same block. I went to PSA. That was my elementary school. It's amazing because my kids are now going to the same school, dope. so they're having some of the same teachers. So you know, like wow. the, the first thing I'm doing now when I meet, like uh, when I meet one of the teachers, is like, "Hey, this is Hector. This is Hendrix. They're nothing like their dad." You know, please like, do not the, judge the, them for <laughs> give yeah. them, give them, the, you know, grace. Like, give them, like, let them be who they are. They're, like, don't yeah. pass judgment until they do something bad, and and. They're very proud of me. They're like, wow, you've become this amazing human being. You weren't, <laughs> you weren't like this as a six-year-old, seven-year-old. Like, I was a badass kid. I was a badass kid. I, I had amazing grades, but I was a badass kid. And it was just like, I I, 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 like, I talked a lot. And I, I liked attention. And I liked to, to make jokes. And, like, I wasn't a bad... Like, I wasn't doing... I wasn't trying to harm anybody, but, you, you know... Just wanted, you just wanted... You wanted to get a laugh. Yeah. Like, that was my thing. But school was dope. I went to junior high school on the same block as well. Um, IS-90... Um, lived a pretty sheltered life, you know, like I went to school, came home, um, like I wasn't chill, really chilling on the block while I was in junior high until like eighth grade, like some of eighth grade, sheesh, like, you know, she was like, I am outside. Yeah, I became a, like, a, you know, crash course into, <laughs> into outside, into becoming, you know, like <laughs> yeah. outside, I like that. Yeah. Um, that's when I started chilling on the block and chilling on the stoop and now venturing off, like I came to the Bronx to Fordham. But the first time taking the train, I was in Fordham copping a pair. Of, I think I want to say it was the 17s. Mm-hmm. And like ended up taking the train back crying because they didn't have my size there either. <laughs> they, you know, I'm never going to forget this. Like, crying, you know, crying on the way back on the D train. It's crazy that you mentioned that because that's really how Life in the Soup started. Like, it's the first time that you're outside by yourself and you notice the sounds of the cars, adults. And imminent like, danger, you know? imminent danger, <laughs> yeah. learning to cross the street. But all those moments lead you to who you are. So, like, 
I can only imagine. I remember the first time going to Fordham by myself. And bro, I'm talking about from the heights. Like it's not like yeah. I, I lived in the Bronx. It was someone just I was talking to somebody. Like somebody was like, "Oh, they got them on Fordham Road," and and they like, "Oh, I was like, how do I get to Fordham Road?" And it you felt take, like an adventure. There's take, no Google. You take the A to 145th, and then on 145th you take the D train. <laughs> no cell phone. Or they yeah. had a cord. I called my mom. I'm like, um, they didn't have the shoes on 181st, mind you. I'm on Fordham. Look <laughs> at <laughs> these shoes, man. <laughs> But uh, I went to high school in the Lower East Side. I went to wow. school. I went to, and this is really what like just molded me into who I am today. Because um, I had this like uptown mentality. But then I now go to school in the LES. Um, at a really good time too. Um, I was uh, my school was divided into several schools. It was called Seward Park, mm-hmm. um, right on Delancey. But I went to Essex Street Academy, so it was a fairly new school, alternative high school. We called our print our teachers by their first name. So did I. I went to University Heights. It's amazing, right? Bronx Community College campus, and we called our teachers by their first name. No, there was no, there was no, uh, no, uh, no. Um, what was the, what was the test? Like, uh, the standard. Standards, no standard right? regions and stuff no like regions. That. We didn't take regions. We did yeah. exit projects. Same, same. So, we, we didn't. Uh, we didn't even have lunch periods. We actually left early for school. Oh, so we would go outside for lunch. Yeah, like we made it. We they let us vote as a school yeah. of like whether we wanted to have a lunch period in the middle of our classes or just go through the whole day and then leave at two o'clock. It's amazing. It's it it made me an adult. You know, like, yeah. Because you you're you're this free thinker, but for me, being down in the LES, being so far away from from uptown. I thought I was the man because I was like, yo, no one knows my parents down here. And that was my issue uptown. Like, yo, no matter, one time I was on a rooftop hanging out and my dad's boss calls him. And this is like in junior high. He's like, where's your son? On 155th in St. Nicholas Place. Oh, cool. Because I'm, I'm watching him on a rooftop. I'm sleeping at my boy's crib. First time I got to sleep over somebody's house. And I think the sleepover had just started. I was, I was back. My dad was downstairs picking me up. I was back home. It's the fastest sleepover ever. But but being in the LES and just now being uh, exposed to streetwear, like the first time I cut school, I went to buy a pair. Like uh, I want to say Jellite threes, uh, the Asics with the with the animal with the mm-hmm. with the eyes on the side. That was the first time I cut school. Like I didn't know what cutting school was. I was like, we're cutting school to buy sneakers. You know, they didn't have my size. I cut school for no reason. But the, that's always the funny. You know, like I was going to Soho. That they, these were brand new experiences. I didn't know what Supreme was. Stussy, um, clientele, uh, recon, clientele, recon, yeah. um, kid robot. Like it was, it was a really good time for streetwear. This is like two thousand five, two thousand six. So I was a ninth grader. Uh, yeah, yeah, I graduated high high school, and I want to say two thousand five, uh, two thousand eight. I'm thirty. Yeah. So, so okay. So I'm thirty three. So that's like two. So the, yeah, that's like oh four, oh five, oh six around that time. So it was really good. Like you know, mm-hmm. I was Flight Club. I didn't know what reselling sneakers were. We were going to some dude named Boris on in uh, St. Mark's, <laughs> mm-hmm. who who he would like. Uh, um, uh, it was a shoemaker right on the corner of St. Mark's, and you would go there on Wednesdays, and he would have like Jordans that he would find. Um, that he would thrift and he would bring them back to life and you would buy them off of him or you would bring him stuff and you would sell it. So it was really dope for me to now, for these two worlds to be like intermingling. Like, and now you're going uptown with like a whole new perspective. Like, yo, this, this is, and I think that's the beauty of New York, right? New York City as a kid is the only place where you have this urban passport. And what I mean by that is like you go in different hoods and different neighborhoods 
and like you learn different things and then you bring what you learn from there back to where you were. Back so, to your hood. So people would see like, yo, what's that? Where did you get that from? So, so I was getting clowned on at first because it was like everybody on the block, we were wearing like Trues and Pele Pele and Rockin' Republic jeans and, and Pepe's and, and all that shit. Not yeah. Pepe. I, don't, I think we were over Pepe in high school. Probably like... Okay, because yeah, that's my issue. That, yeah. that was the yeah. transition. We were transitioning into like um, like uh, Maury's and, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Um, So... I was showing up wearing like Mork and Mindy's and Dinosaur Juniors and like skinny jeans and 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 people just like in camp caps like that wasn't a thing we were wearing fitteds it wasn't even gray brims like that like gray brims had faded out people were just mm-hmm. wearing black nasties it didn't matter you know mm-hmm. and everybody on my block just looked different if you look at the pictures of me posted up on the block with the guys I have like a Mork and Mindy some some. Light faded uh, skinny mm, jeans, jeans like from American Eagle, mm-hmm. um, and everyone's in like baggy ass, like, <laughs> like, baggy ass. Like I just look like one of these people just doesn't belong, and and you know it, it was uh, please, it was different. Please spot which one doesn't look like the rest. Yeah, you know, but it it was dope. It was dope for me to to to, have, to be exposed, and I'm happy. The only reason I went to Seward Park was because. I got into my zone school, G Dubs, George Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the only was the only high school uptown, and that's where all my friends were. And my mom said that's not happening because you're going to continue doing all the dumb shit you were doing in junior high school, like being on the roof. Exactly. Now, <laughs> now in, in in high school, and she's like, I'm gonna lose you. So we were, we spent the whole summer going to the DOE, and my mom was like filing appeals, and like I, I, she was trying to get me a safety transfer <laughs> without <laughs> without needing any safety. Like your kid has no criminal record. Why does he need to be? He's a menace. You know, she was like, "Oh, he can't go to this school. You don't understand." And everybody's confused. Like, but why? Like she was trying to get me a safety transfer before I needed the safety transfer. So I ended up going to the school in the LES, and it was the best thing that ever happened. That's what were you listening to at the time? Well, music wise, because um, uh, at that time we still had Walkmans, and uh, and well, not no, no, no MP threes, MP three, MP three had yeah. just started coming out. The the because I got my first iPhone in high school. I got my first iPad, iPod Touch, uh, Same. the one you know, made the circle, 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 circle yeah. joint. Yeah, I got that in high school. But my first thing was like a Zoom player. I, I had a Zoom. Yeah. Zooms. All right, just just for for shits and giggles, Zooms low key. Were more innovative than iPods. It was, at that. it was, it was. But nobody was jacking it because iPods were like cleaner and look fancier and the commercials were better. Yeah, but you could connect your Zoom and the white headphones. The white headphones. It was the white headphones. You, it was. That, that was a status symbol, you know? Yeah. The white headphones was a flex. Yeah, but the fact that I could like, you could bump Zooms and like get music from each other. And that you was connected right to your computer. You didn't yeah. have the wire. Zoom was dope. But I was, what was I listening to? Um, hip hop. I was, uh, I'm, I'm big into hip hop. Yeah. Um, what was up? Dipset. I was probably listening to Dipset. You know, I got a, a crash course from my uh, the older dudes on the block. Which now I, we we like, we sit back and laugh about it, but a lot of the stuff that they warned me about high school was not like not true. <laughs> you know, so I went into high school doing things and acting a certain way that I shouldn't have been acting because. Dudes on my block that went to school in the eighties told me that that's this is the way. way. That, that's the way. But well, you um, know, we always get the wrong information from them. I was listening to Dipset, but it wasn't until I got to high school and I started tapping it. Like, I was, now I'm, I'm in the Lower East Side. I'm 
uptown is all Dominicans and Puerto Ricans, you know, like yeah. there was very uh, few black people in my school, very very few, just it was just Spanish people. Yeah. So now being in the LES where we're in high school and we're going to school, like now my friends are multicultural, you know. Yeah. I got friends from Flatbush, fl- friends from Brooklyn, friends from Queens, you know, I got Asian friends. Um, uh, West Indian friends that hang out in Chinatown. You got West Indian friends from Queens, and and I was learning new stuff. Like I, I, and it's gonna sound ignorant, but I just thought like I didn't know that the difference between like a Jamaican or 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 someone from Trinidad. I didn't even know that was that they existed, and it's it's crazy how how enclosed you could be to your zip code because that's what I call it. You know, like uh, yeah. Just you focused on your local perimeter and all your friends being from the same perimeter that that is all you know, you know? Like, for me, I grew up uptown. So I grew up uptown in the Bronx right here on Gun Hill and, like, Boston Road. But my school was on Burnside. So I had the same Burnside and University. So when I got to high school, when I moved back up here, all my friends were, like, from different, completely different places. And I went to alternative school. So, like... I would meet friends and I'm like, yo, these guys are great. Well, you know, they beat up a nigga in the other school and that's why they got kicked out. <laughs> yeah, and, that's that's what what and he stabbed somebody. I'm like, but they're great people. So like, I understand what you mean of meeting people from different places. I'm meeting, I'm meeting like my Latino friends that are like Dominican and Puerto Rican and they're from here and they're from there. And I'm like, oh shit, I didn't like, uptown is like just a Caribbean community. Yeah. So it was really interesting to see that. It's different. It's, and, and, and like, Reggae, like I, I, I was getting like you know, at the school dances, and, and I was very shy growing up. You know, mm-hmm. I've always been a bigger guy, like, um, and I feel like humor was my like me. If I'm funny, people, you know, like, it, humor for big guys is like, it's kind of our way to. It gets us attention, but it takes the attention off of us exactly. too. You know, like it, it makes you just like. Whew, like if, if I can just give a couple of jokes, no one will pay attention to me even being in the room. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I feel like it wasn't until like yeah, I've always been into girls, obviously. But when, yeah. when I get when I get to high school, you start like just it's it it, it shifts a little bit, you know. Yeah. It's like I right, cool. I don't want to be the. I don't want to make jokes because no one <laughs> wants to. No one wants to date the dude that's getting kicked out the classroom yes. or the kid who's whose mom's in the back of the classroom in tenth grade. You know, absolutely. So so I start to form my identity, who I am, and how I carry myself, and it, it was dope seeing that like that uh, the maturity. It's funny that you mentioned that. It was I think uh, when I like because I lived down south when I came back. To do to go to high school in New York, uh, I met this this girl, uh, Denise. Denise, shout out to Denise. Shout out to Denise. I don't yeah. think she'll ever listen to this, but whatever. Uh, yeah, you will, cause 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 it's me. Anyway, so I uh, I see her that day. We become friends. Yada yada yada. The next day, I come to class. She kisses me on my cheek and says hi. I didn't know. I was so confused, and I didn't realize that that was like. A Spanish thing. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let it I confuse was, you. I was so confused. I was like, oh, why did you kiss me? We got one. We got one. And she was like, no, that's the way we greet each other. Where? <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, I was like, I thought you were cute. And she's like, yeah, but that's how we greeted. Like, I was like, really? And she was like, yeah, it's like of a term of endearment. Yeah, yeah it's definitely a Spanish thing. I, I, t- <laughs> I had to learn that too. Like, you know, junior high school students, now maybe now, things yeah. are very progressive now, but... Junior high school students in my age were not kissing each other on the cheek. 
Yeah, like it wasn't until high school I realized that that was like a term of endearment. So I know what you mean. Like you're learning all these cultural things and then going to dances and reggae music. How was that? It was dope. It was dope. It was just watching other people celebrate their culture, you know, like and 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 growing up I was always embarrassed of like Spanish music and I, my focus was always like 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 the kids that were in the bilingual classes would get clowned on. Mm-hmm. Um and they would get clowned on and it was like, oh like you don't speak any English. Those are the hicks, you know? And yeah. Which is crazy because we're clowning our own people who don't speak. You get what I'm saying? Like, oh, no, I completely understand. It's like being it's like being light-skinned and being dark-skinned. And, 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 and I didn't want... Like, you know, so everyone was like so focused on, 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 on pushing away from our culture. And, and maybe I'm speaking for everyone, but I, I'm going to just speak for me. Um, it, as I got older, I started to appreciate like bachata and merengue and salsa and, and what it means to be Dominican and, and, and really like, and it was me watching other people celebrate their culture, you know, like hearing my Jamaican friends speak in patois, patois yeah. you know, or my, or my Haitian friends speaking in Creole. And it was it, watching them do that and do it with pride with their chest up and not shy away from it made me want like yo I should be celebrating my stuff too like why do I have to like everyone you know it's it's uh, I, I completely agree with what you mean like and, and and it only happens in New York yep it's a New York thing it's, it's a New, New York, York thing. thing where like where the melting pot is a melting pot and I'm assuming you're, you're first generation Dominican yes, yeah. so there's also a, a sense of where your parents, your grandparents probably had that and still like, yo, don't lose your culture by being comfortable with outside. Yeah. And and I think that often happens a lot where like you do see where oftentimes it's not until you get older that you start looking for your roots and your culture and you want to embrace it because you can't go forward without knowing where you came from. A hundred percent. But that was that was my high school, you know, um, I then transitioned into college, like we we were we're supposed we're told that we're supposed, like we're supposed to, to it's like um, we're told to do. I got into some of the schools that I wanted to go to upstate. Um, my dad sat me down and kept it very very one hundred with me. He's like, we don't have the money, but I can get the money. Like he's like, he's like, the money's in the savings account. The money is there for you to go away. But this isn't. We're not rich. We don't come from money. We worked really hard for this. If you're going to go away and waste my money on smoking weed and getting drunk <laughs> and partying. Please do not make me do this, you know, because I've worked really hard for that. And, and we have five kids. We can we th- we can send someone else if this is like. So so that's what it was. <laughs> so that's what it was. There's other people in line. If you do not want to do this, like we can pick gone. another kid. So I sat down and I thought about it, and then I did the math. I was like going going away. It's going to be fifteen thousand for for room and board. Uh, yeah. And I, I went back to my dad and I said, "Yeah, I'm gonna just go to City Tech in Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm gonna go to CUNY." He's like, "Yo, take that." Send send the next one up. My sister went. My sister was the next one. My sister went. My sister went to Manhattan College, and my, I think my parents, I think it was like forty thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars a year, whatever it was. But my sister's a successful radiation therapist right now, so making chicken. Shout out to you. you. Know, you know, shout like, out to you for knowing your limit. Like, hey, you know what? That's not my boss. I set her up for success. That's what older brothers are supposed, <laughs> That's to, do. What you're supposed to do. But uh, shout out to her. She's doing her thing. She went to school. She focused. Um, that was not the path for me. Uh, my parents both work in in, uh, in the healthcare industry. Um, they were pushing nursing on me. I didn't want to do. I want. I just wanted to go get an associate. So I went for radiation technology. Uh, yeah, like so a my dad tech. tried to do that too. Yeah. He was like, "Yo, if you just get your associates and become a radiation tech and take X rays, eighty thousand a year. What's wrong with you? Eighty thousand a year." 
I, I don't want to do that. It doesn't matter. You're going to press a button. And I'm like, all right, cool. I said, F it. I, my dad told me I either went to college or I moved out. I couldn't just be a bum in the crib. I was like, all right, yeah. cool. So I went to school. Um, I went to City Tech. Busted my ass, man. I'm talking about, like, I had a... 3.1 GPA when it was time to apply to the program 20 people beat me there were only 20 seats in the program <laughs> so like you had to have it on the on the on the syllabus it said you needed higher than a 2.7 to get into the program so I was like oh I'm, I'm in I'm it's in late. I'm in they said you couldn't get in the program I was like, what do you mean I can't get in the program? <laughs> like, yo, I busted my ass. I cannot go back home and say this. I took AMP one I took AMP one twice to get my GPA up. What do you mean? So I couldn't get into the program. They said I had to take uh like a I had to try the next spring. Because it was the spring when they oh like, cool, I'll wait, I'll take a, a a gap year. And they were like, Oh no, you gotta be an active student. CUNY, uh, FAFSA, whatever, TAP, yeah. isn't paying for classes that aren't part of your major. Yeah. I cannot switch my major because I'm not accepted <laughs> into the program. So I had to take classes like African drumming, <laughs> um, uh, Yo, art, art hey, history. This is crazy. Like, and I had to come out of pocket. So now I'm, pay, now I'm paying five grand. Going you, back you to gotta, dad, like, so yeah. No, there's no dad. I'm paying for this. Me, because now my dad's like, wait, you, what do you mean you didn't get in the program? Like, you should have worked harder. So whatever. Like, my dad's still help, helping me out. But, but it's, it's, it's we're, we're not going to, we're not going to brush over the fact that dad's like, yo, you should have worked harder. You're like, yo, but it was 20 spots. <laughs> you should have made it 21. Yeah. It's you know, your fault. But, uh. <laughs> I love my dad. He he's he's he is the reason that I am where I am. Yeah. Today. They've always been super supportive. I told them I wasn't going to do that anymore. Um, I transferred to Lehman. Uh, I got my associate's degree. Transferred yeah. to Lehman uh, once again to try nursing because I'm working in the emergency room. And I'm like, fuck this. I don't want to be a nurse. These all the nurses are miserable here. This isn't it. Yeah. I'm, I switched my major to marketing. Hector's born. Things pick up for me. Uh, Rue Crew is bl- like hot. Um, I got um, NMB. We just started a clothing brand. Um, After Miles that I was working with, that was hot. And I was just, my fiance gave me an ultimatum. She's like, yo, something's got to stop. Like, either you drop one of these businesses, you focus on your marathon training, you, you quit school. Like, I can't do all of this by myself. How old were you at that time? I was, um, Hector was this, Hector's seven now. College, so, Hector's six, gonna be seven. I was twenty. I'm 30, 23, 22. So let, let's talk about that. You become you become a dad. Yeah. Because I feel like we're moving at a fast pace, but I don't want to miss no, no, anything. No, yeah. You become a dad. How was that? It was amazing. It's the best thing, the best decision I've ever made in my life. I did it twice, you know. And, uh, <laughs> that was good. Got, that was good. Did, did it twice, and, and you know, when when she's ready, we'll have a third. Um, I've always said this: if I'm if I'm gonna have kids, it's gonna be with her, or I'm gonna just have two kids, and that's it. You know. Um, How. At that moment, because I always hear that like daughters put all uh, you have your 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 sons have all your experts. You put all your expectations in them. Your daughter has you. They have all the expectation on you. So you had your son first. Two that, boys. Two boys. Two boys. I have two boys. So that had to be like a really big moment where you're like, "Holy shit, I'm a dad. I'm 23." Well, for me, it was like, "Yo, I, I gotta, I gotta grow the fuck up now." Like it's a, like you know I'm I was a tra- patient transport at the hospital at the time I was living in my mom's house you know I was the only sibling living in my mom's house my brother had moved out my sister had moved out and it's just me you know like living at my parents' house still um, and my girlfriend my fiance well girlfriend at the time calls me and she's like yo we're gonna have a baby this was year one of Rue Crew so this is 2013 we're, we're, we're getting we're getting to that 
So what comes first, Hector or or Rook? We run up town comes first. All right. So right now we'll we'll, fo- we'll focus on Hector. So, yeah, so so you get the call. Hector's born, and 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 I'm like, oh, sh-. and I'm like, yo, whatever you want to do, we're gonna do it. You know, I call my dad, <laughs> and I'm like, my dad's my go-to person. Whenever yeah. I have to make a hard decision, I'm like, um, I need to talk to you. I'm wearing blue scrubs. I show up to him. I'm drenched in sweat. He's like, what is going on? Are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm not okay. I'm about to have a baby. And I'm like, what should I do? He's like, what do you mean? What you should do? I was like. You're gonna be a dad. There's no what you should do. You gonna there's only one option. And he's like, this isn't your decision. So I call my fiance, I call Kisali up, and I'm like, hey, whatever you decide to do. Uh, <laughs> like I, I told her what my dad told me because yeah, I was like, that's it, what you got. That's it sounded good. good. It sounded good. And she was like, what do you mean? Whatever I thought was good, I was like, no, no, no. I'm just saying, like, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do. Please let me have it. But uh, best decision we've ever made. Um, Hector is an amazing uh, six-year-old, very outspoken, um, just, just, just amazing beacon of light. This kid is. Uh, whenever I try to. I love this story because whenever I try to discipline him, he'll, like the other day, he'll, he left the room and came back. I'm like, yo, I'm, I yelled. I'm talking to you. He's like, yeah, we're going to try this again without the yelling. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so funny I hear when you see a little version of you and you see how they take bits and pieces of you and process things. So I bet in that moment you were like, Okay, I was livid. <laughs> I was, but you understood where he came well, from. He walked out and walked in, and I was like, "Yo, come back!" And he's like, "Wait, we're gonna try this again without the yelling." I, I can, and you, you had the low key stop yelling. I, I, I stopped yelling. I was like, and, and you know, then you're talking to your team. Was like, to look, look, to sit down. He's like, "Are you getting upset again?" Because we could try again. And I was like, "Yo," but um, amazing, amazing. Just fatherhood was amazing for me. I remember uh, my mom, five years old. Uh, she comes in the room. She's like, hey, what's up? It's like, nothing. I'm bored. She says, yo, let's read a book. Let's get a book and I'll read to you. Look at my mom, five years old. I'm not that bored. Nah. <laughs> Instantly got hit. Yeah, and that's when yeah. I knew like my mouth would always get me in yeah. trouble. But you were talking about we run. We run uptown. We run up, uptown. It's not, it's not usual for big guys to get into running. Yeah. It's a really you. Usually, it's very hard for us to even run outside or come to that conclusion. How did you get to that space? Um, and, and as many times as I say as I say this, like the the inception story, it's always it's always fun to just go back and dive in. Um, I I've never been athletic. I spoke about it earlier. YBL, yeah. I was trash. Um, my parents put me in baseball, and I would just roll around, and get my uniform dirty, and then come home and say that I played um, swag. That's that, yeah, that's innovative. You look good, you know. My parents would spend a hell of money for me to play at this baseball league, and I was like, you know, if they, I come back with a clean jersey, it's over for me. You ain't play, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I tried everything. I tried rugby, got like not like knocked, knocked out, the fuck out day one, bro. Some dude named Francis picked you. Gotta of course, do, gotta do this thing called cheek to cheek, where you yeah. put your the, your the face cheek as low as the butt cheek. Yeah, and. I I guess I was a bigger guy and Francis just let me drop and like my head banged on the floor. I was wearing free run twos. The cleats cut my my pant, my, my sneakers. I got hit in the face. It was not good. It's not for me. It's like rugby is a very dangerous yeah, sport. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why you would do not it. For me. It's not for the me. The clothes are cool. Yeah, it was dope. It's not worth getting hit in the face though. But yeah. um, I go through a breakup. I was in a two year relationship. I went through a breakup and I gained a lot of weight, you know, um, uh, because of my, my, the, the amount of weight that I gained, I became very depressed because I just wasn't me anymore. I was, oh, well, I didn't want to be seen in public. I, I, 
I had a difficult time. The clothes wasn't fitting. And I feel like once you get out of a relationship, you start to notice, like, damn, you know, like maybe these pants were always this tight. And, you know, I was just comfortable. Um, and I I needed, I needed to, to break out that shell and just break out of that dark place that I was in. And I've never been that way. Like, my pa- my mom was concerned. Um, she was cooking different in the house. My like my sister, her friends were concerned. Like, yo, what's good with your brother, you know? So my sister, her friends were working out, and they invited me to work out. And I went out there, and, I, and you know, we they didn't know what we were doing. I didn't know what we were doing. I just rocked out with them. We would run a mile, run two miles, run around the track, do some kind of workout. Um, and it was dope. They College started. They stopped coming. And... I just started using social media at that point because it was like, yo, I don't want to do this by myself. I just, I needed a security blanket. I needed some kind of shield. And I felt like if I was in a big group of people, I wasn't just that fat dude running outside by himself. Um, and I would use the, the notes section of my iPhone. I would put like, yo, meet me at 165th and Fort Washington. We're going to run two miles. And whoever showed up, we would run. If no one showed up, I would then go to Facebook because Facebook had a video. Instagram didn't have video at the time. Mm-hmm. So I would go to Facebook and I would upload a video of me like pretty much like, yo, fuck y'all. Y'all on the block smoking hookah. Y'all not doing anything. Because we started Ruku in the summer. Uh, Ruku solidified in the summer. Um, and I would just like guilt trip people. Like, yo, I, if I'm doing this by myself, y'all can't join me. And people started feeling bad. And then I just started like direct, like, Texting people like, yo, can you please join me? Anyone that I knew that has some kind of fitness background. Um, I was very embarrassed at first because I was this bigger guy. I was almost 350 pounds. I did this thing called PRX 14 where it's like 14 weeks of, of training and I lost 15 pounds That because this was like a shock to my body, me working out. Um, and that was really dope. And, and, and I was like, yo, I'm not paying $450 for this. And, and shout out to Yusuf and them, the, and Maggie and Margie. Um, the program was amazing. Um, it worked. But I didn't have $450 to pay every two weeks to have a trainer. Um, so I just started running because I saw that was the thing that I, that, I, that I was the best at. Like, and I was losing weight. The, the, the weight was like butter, like just coming off. It's, it's interesting when I... Um I started working at Nike, and um, my manager at the time, Natanya, love her. She's super athletic, was a runner. Um, I worked at a running store, and everyone ran, and I was completely against it. I was like, y'all don't want to do that. It just doesn't. And, and the same things that you were saying, like, being a big dude, it was just like I felt like... I made jokes and stuff because I didn't want the spotlight on me. And I remember, like, like I told you, I lived down south. So I remember, like, P.E. running. And the moment I would try to run or put effort, everybody would notice I was running. <laughs> and be like, yo, look at Rob, fat ass running. And like, you'd be instantly like, yo, I don't want to do this. Leave me alone. I don't want to be bothered. It's one of those, like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't kind of things. Because people want you to lose the weight, right? Because uh, society has uh, um, made us believe that being thin is in that being thin is is the beauty standard right so if you were eating a salad at a mcdonald's everyone's like ah look at the fat person look at look at him eating a, a salad at mcdonald's right but if you were eating a burger they would also clown you like oh that's why he's that fat because he's eating a burger so the same thing when you're running like i've seen people post memes and like on post videos of people at the gym like the biggest person at the gym on the elliptical like yo bro he's doing what he's supposed to be doing he's in the gym grinding why would you try to clown him you know what I also hate? 
Um, I would hate. Uh, I would get up early in the morning, go to uh, like the track and run, and it'd be like the big brolic dude, be like, "Yeah, I see you, boy. Go ahead, man. Don't fucking shout me out. <laughs> Leave me alone." No, so I like that. This I hated the, it's the complete that. Opposite. When, it, when it was like the the guy who was in shape, who would kind of like push me along. I'm like a fam. Shh. On your fucking business. <laughs> all right? I'm going through enough shit already. So so like but I understand what you mean. Like you 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 fueled that that so you fueled. That. I embraced it, man. Your running gave me um and and I I feel like we're going to sidetrack again, but running gave me the the confidence that I always yearned for in my whole life. You know, like like it made it made me who I am. Like yo, you can't tell me shit. You know, I, I walk out that barbershop chair and I feel like, uh, like what's this guy, like Michael B. Jordan, bro? You yeah. can't tell me nothing. I feel mm. good. I look good. You can't say nothing to My me. girl look good. You know? I look good. I, I wake up great. I feel, yeah. <laughs> when I walk, like, when I walk in a room, I, 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 I don't shy away from anything. I walk up to you. I talk to you. Yeah, I'm a runner. And people, and, and, and at first I was shy, bro. At first, when I first started running, like, I was wearing bigger tees and I was running in, in, in basketball sneakers and basketball, um, Shorts, shorts, because I wasn't comfortable with the five inch shorts, you know. But now, look at me now, bro. I'm I'm, I'm running Broadway without a shirt on, you know, in five inch split shorts. With, with all on, you see King. is thigh, Come thigh on, and King. gut, mad calf, and, and you know, outside. And I'm and I'm comfortable, you know why? Because that is who I am, and I can and 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 something that I that I that I realized uh, early on was that we're all running the same race. We all run in the same marathon. We all run in the same half. Whether you run it, in, whether I run it in two hours and you run it in an hour and twenty minutes, we still did the same damn thing. We put Absolutely. in the same mileage, and 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 I guess as the story goes on, we'll we'll, we'll dive into like my first marathon journey. But year one, twenty thirteen, Farouk crew was 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 monumental because we thought we we thought we discovered America. Yeah. Live from the Stoop podcast with me, Robbie Digital. Well, what, what is Live from the Stoop? Live from the Stoop is just a conversation that I have with people from different walks of life about how they got from the Stoop to where they are today. From art, music, design, culinary, you name it, you'll, you'll find it here. So uh, sit back, relax, and if you do like, make sure you rate, review, and comment. And most importantly, subscribe. Now let's get back to the show. Let's go. You know, we thought we we create <laughs> we thought we created something new that had never been done before. We created a run club. It's different, you know. And it's yeah. like yeah, this is an NRC. This is you know, like because your Nike Run Club was amazing, but it was it was it was still structured and it was still like corporate. It was still it was very much intimidating. Yeah, exactly. So we I, I was like we were bragging. Um, I, I met Josh through a mutual friend. Um, named Danny and Josh. He introduced me to Josh. I, I I got Josh to to come down on the premise of we were gonna win some free sneakers at a Nike run, mm-hmm. and Josh got hooked, pulled up, and we lost. We lost the 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 run. It was a uh, the Hyperfield. We were doing a scavenger hunt that started on uh, at Columbus Circle. We lost, and Josh liked it. And Josh was working at Nike at the time. He was a, a retail employee, and Nike was doing uh, workouts on the on the rooftop on uh, Nike Town. So we would go to Nike Town, work out, and then everyone that was a Nike employee that lived uptown, or anyone that was there that lived uptown, we would invite them to a run. Josh tapped in with all his friends. I would tap into my friends. I'm like, "Yo, we're gonna go run now." So our runs used to start super late. Like I'm talking about. 
nine o'clock, whenever we got uptown from Nike Town. Mm-hmm. And Josh then told me, like, yo, we can't just run like this anymore. We need to set a time, set a schedule, and we need to focus on that. And our, our run started again. We picked Monday because we want you to start the week off fresh. You know, no matter how bad your weekend was. You look forward to Monday. You know, and Monday's a very rough day. It is. So you go back to school. You go back to work. You come to, you can unwind Monday night with us. That's beautiful. So that's why man. we picked Monday. Seven, the time, to be honest, the time was like the time that worked for me. We were running at 9, 8, and 7 o'clock just was perfect. Josh would be able to make it after work. I would be able to unwind after work, and we chose that. That's beautiful, man. Thank you. I think I think running, you know, it's funny because even as like me working in, in the athletic store and stuff like that, I never felt a part of it. It wasn't until like my next manager, who was a bigger guy, he was into running. And he was like, yo, no, you can do this. And that's when I got into it. And I was like, yo, I, I didn't realize how amazing it was and how much confidence came from it. And you mentioned mental health. Yeah. How did that play a role into it? Huh. So th- th- this summer, that summer 2013 was uh, Nike's Summer of Fuel. That was the yep. first time that had ever been done. Shout out to the Fuel Band because I owe a lot to the Fuel Band. Bro, went through three of them. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> like the Fuel Band, and and I had this desire to to get fuel points. I had this desire for movement, and I, I, I at that point I had no idea about like therapy, mental health. Yeah, like, um, but I I knew I noticed some changes in me. You know, I noticed that I was becoming a different person because of the running. You know, I was I was not this angry person. Like I was I was starting to break out of my shell. Like once again, I was out of one double oh three two, which I had just come like, you know, yeah. I was out of my zip code. I was not confined to to to, to, these, the, com- to the thinking that you had before. You no, know, like I wasn't like everyone wasn't out to get me and that's like that uptown mentality, like oh like oh, you gotta be guarded and I can't open up to you. I'm going to the running community and I'm around all these amazing people who are around the same age who are doing all these amazing things and it's because of the summer of fuel. I'm meeting all these people and I had the opportunity to go to every single fuel event that summer and um I'm meeting people from Bridge Runners. I'm meeting people. Who, Concrete Roses was around that. Time Black, Roses, Black Roses. Black Roses. Yep. Yeah. So these and these are these are uh, just for some context. These are other crews that have been around longer than we had. Bridge Runners that year celebrated the 10th year anniversary. So I thought we started this monumental like it's black and brown people running uptown and, and we yelling and we turning up and then my bubble got bursted. You know, I, 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 I go, you realized you were the, there was there's a big pond. Yeah. So I, I realized that what I created uptown had been going on for the last 10 years globally. Um, part of this movement called Bridge the Gap. And the best way to explain that to, to anyone that's in a fraternity or a sorority, it's like, uh, think of like all of the chapters for your fraternity, you know? So it's like, it's, it's like a foreign exchange program for runners. So any city, any major city in the world that I visit, there's a crew that does something similar to what Rue Crew does uptown in London, Copenhagen, Berlin, Paris, LA, Boston, Chicago, you name a city, there's a crew. And it, it being like just now immersed in this, in this, uh, in this kind of world, this opened up so many, like I've seen more of the world in the last eight years than I have in the 22 years prior to that. You know, like running open doors for me that I didn't even know were closed. And, 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 and this is something that I say a lot, but it's just the, the honest truth. Before running, I knew Jersey, Pennsylvania, and the Dominican Republic. Those were the only places I had ever been. 
you know, and 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 I've been able now to to see the world. You know, I've been able to go to Asia because of running. I've been able to go to Europe because of running. All over the U.S. because of running. I've been able to go back home to the Dominican Republic because of running. Well, you know, as cliche as it as it is, I think, um, you know, shout out to Wyden and Kennedy, but life has no finish line, mm-hmm. and you learn that through running. Like I miss, I miss it sometimes. Like I, I always often think about getting back into it. You should pull up on a Monday, seven fifteen. Oh, I, I, already, Park. I already know. Josh you know is like, vibes. Josh is like, if you got this interview, you're gonna fucking run. So I, I saw, know. I saw I know. a video of you running though. I saw, I saw a video of you running. I think it was LA. Y'all were running some, some steep ass hill. That was, uh, that was Cito. Cito oh, was. So that wasn't you. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay, that okay. wasn't me. I was asleep. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> so we gotta get you up. We gotta get you up with Cito. We gotta get you up with Cito. Yeah, yeah, that's a fact. But I, I, I definitely remember that fuel era of like me going and wanting to it was something about that fuel band that like these endorphins that always you wanted to reach your goal mm-hmm. you wanted to up the ante you wanted to open your phone and see whatever thing was going to do to inspire you to do more it's like an incentive you it was yeah. for, and, and 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 honestly that was the first time like and not working at the brand but it was the first time that i saw companies interacting with their uh their consumers that way you know, like, shit, I'm going to get a, a bunch of free gear to just go around and kick a can and, and on a baseball field. Hell yeah, I'm going to do it. Or, you know, but it was I was still it was still movement. It was still mm-hmm. getting me out of the shell that I was in. You know, I think a lot of people look at that moment in that in that time span of like maybe the technology wasn't what it was, what they wanted it to be. But the inspiration was pivotal for some people. For, and it it was, changed. It changed it, my life. It was life changing. I can be completely some, honest. Yeah. And, and 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 I'm gonna go a little bit further. The, like the fuel band changed the the landscape of um, uptown fitness. And I could say that like with two feet firm, and like, I look you dead in the eye. You know, yeah. had it not been for that moment, I wouldn't have created We Run Uptown. Like, or We Run Uptown wouldn't have been what it is today. Um, and I I don't think running would be what it is today uptown north of Central Park. You know, um, when Absolutely. we when we first came on the scene, there was nothing the way we did it. And 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 I, I can say this very proudly. And 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 like I said, standing on two feet, I stand on what I say. Uh, Twenty thirteen social running the way that we run uptown brought north of Central Park did not exist. And now you have Dykeman Run Club a Dude. couple blocks away from us. You have Milestyles, Boogie Down in the Bronx, uh, Bronx Soul. Um, you have uh, Harlem Run in Harlem. All these crews north of Central Park uh, who are all focusing on underprivileged neighborhoods, you know? And you know why? Because let's, let's be transparent here. Sometimes, often, health is not associated in our communities. The Bronx is the most, it's, uh, out of the 62, I want to say, not boroughs, out of the 62 counties in in, uh, in New York, the Bronx is the 62nd. Like, the, the, the wrong crews in the Bronx started a campaign, like, not 62, and I might be saying the wrong number, but it, it was like, the Bronx was dead last. You know how crazy that is? And and that's what I mean. Like, you, you mentioned it north of... Central Park, and it's because we oftentimes mistakenly associate health with, I, I would say, like people who are more richer or more yeah. health. It's like, a luxury. It's a it's a luxury. Your my mom like and and think about like I'm, I, th- I think about like my mom's work schedule, my dad's work schedule. When they got out of work at five o'clock and they got to rush home to do to cook and ru- and then rush to try to figure out my homework because they don't speak the language. My parents don't got time to take us to the park after. 
Yeah, you know, when it's 8 o'clock, when it's back to bedtime, like at 8.30, when my mom could finally sit down and watch a little TV, she doesn't want to take me to the park for 30 minutes. So you 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 you, you grow up in this sedentary lifestyle, unless, you play, unless you're athletic and you play sports. And, or you have that ingrained in you, like where you have that athleticism that you mm-hmm. want um, and, you, and you yearn for it, or you have that leisure time to really do that, even with mental health. Like, mental health is something that's, that a lot of people's like, why is everybody, like, in the urban community so focused on mental health? And I'm like, this is the first time we've ever actually had time to really sit and process it. And, 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 and I feel like we're getting more comfortable with talking about, like, uh, you know, I feel like more and more we're, we're, we're breaking that wall down where everyone's out to get you or everyone's out to get us. Mm-hmm. And, like, I can sit here and be transparent and, 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 and like, so just to dive, like, my mental health journey started two years ago, maybe a couple months prior to the pandemic. My fiance was preaching it a lot. We were going through a lot of issues. We ended up breaking up for the year. Uh, like, I spent the pandemic single, you know, which, which kind of sucked because we broke up two, three weeks before the pandemic started. Wow. We had no idea this was going to happen. And we broke up for a, a various reasons, uh, work being one of them, and... I, we went through that alone. She went through that alone. I went through the pandemic alone. You know, co-parenting. We did an amazing job as co-parents, but mental health and 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 was my main focus. You know, it's like I know where I fucked up in my relationship, and and I'm gonna seek the therapy that I need to fix that because I don't want to make that mistake with with uh, one. I was trying to get her back, but I, I didn't want to make that mistake either with her or with somebody else in a new relationship. And I focused a lot on on therapy and. Um, me and my partner started this thing called like It's About Time Men on Clubhouse. Clubhouse died. I don't know if it's I'm still on Clubhouse. I'm, I'm still on Clubhouse. Bro. Okay, I love Clubhouse. Okay. All right, cool, it's, cool. it's my it's uh, it's my free talking space. But we were we were doing these things where we were like inviting men to just just be fucking transparent and speak up about what they're going through. And 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 I I did this talk with a therapist and three other men of color and two other men of color and we were just deep diving into into. Like the reasons why we were receptive to to oh, to to therapy, or, or yeah. why or why we were also like scared to even try it. I I got forced into therapy. Um, I had an accident at work that was extremely traumatic, and um, it was suggested that I go. It was available, and um, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do it. But I was like, you know what? Definitely gonna go, I'm definitely going to do it because I don't want to have to deal with this fucking job anymore. And the first two times, like, I cried. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how much pent-up aggression I really had. I didn't know my triggers. I didn't know underlining um, things that bothered me. I didn't know how I processed things with my family. And, yeah. and the most important thing they always tell you in therapy is what role did you play in it? Yep. And I, that's a hard... It's a hard pill to swallow. To say, what do you mean? What fucking role? I'm here to tell you what other people are doing to me, nah. and you're like, no. What did you do? My, yo, know, the way that me and my fiance now, because she's she's been in therapy for for some time, can can just like be pissed at each other and sit there and talk, you know. And every every now and then we'll like like snap at each other, and then we'll bring it right back. We're like, yo, like, yeah, like let's let's try to talk about this. Like, you know, when, when we have these these tools, like it's like. The, the way I see mental health is 
Like if I broke my leg running, I would go to the doctor to get a cast. You know, yep. if if something was wrong with my teeth, I would go to the dentist. If something is mentally wrong with me and I don't know what it is, I am sad, I am depressed, I I I need to go to a professional to help me. Yeah. Um, my my boy is not a therapist. My sister's not a therapist. No. My mom is not a therapist. My fiance is not a therapist. Everyone is going through their own shit daily. So for me now to call you and pile up my problems on you as well when you don't have the tools to help me is is uh, insensitive to your mental health, you know? Um, and 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 not a solution for me because all I'm doing is dumping my shit on somebody else. But you're going to... My mom's going to give me the advice she thinks that I should have as a mom. Yep. My fiance is going to give me her, her fiance advice. My boy's going to give me my boy's advice. But it's not a unbiased professional advice. No, and I think that's what oftentimes as men, what I've learned growing up, how we grew up, is being a man is constantly unlearning habits that you learn from other people. Unbe- whether that be known to you or unbeknownst to you as involuntary habits. Um, a I can a lot of that we gotta like we gotta unlearn a lot of the shit the hood the the hood taught us you know and running's helped me with that to be honest to be completely honest and that's great because it you know what it is because you, it's a it's a vulnerability mm-hmm. there like those endorphins of running and finishing and completing like uh, I actually want to get into that like your first marathon yeah um so it's my first marathon story is really funny I am alongside Josh because I can't even even try to take credit for that. Josh was pretty much coaching all of us and he was learning the coaching through someone else in the running community that's uh that was doing an amazing job. And I would like my role Rook who's always been like motivator and like I talked to the people, but when it came down to like track and stuff, that was all Josh. And I, I didn't have it in me. You know, I, I ran a half marathon. My first half marathon, I ran, I ran it within the year of me running. You know, everybody told me, oh, you should probably wait. I ran it anyway. Um, and I did a couple halves, uh, 11 halves. Um, that's not a couple. It is a couple. It's a couple. It's that's, a, that's not a couple. Yeah, to, to the average Joe. But, you know, there's people that got so much stuff under the boat. But whatever. 13.1 is not nothing to look. Look, 11 of them? 13, it's a pretty big deal. 13.1, 13.1. Um, <laughs> but when it was, we were all hanging out at my mom's house. And my mom like I said, she likes to cook. My, my boy Kelvin brought, we bought a box of oxtail. So if you've ever bought a box of oxtail, that's 15 pounds. You know, it's a million dollars. No, no, no. But it's the cheapest way. Like if you're ever yeah. going to buy oxtail, buy a box because it's cheaper. Um, a box of oxtail could easily run you probably like 130 bucks, 120 bucks. And I'm talking yeah. about everybody eating. Um, so whatever, we're making a box of oxtail in my mom's crib. And my mom goes, um, and, and everybody starts talking about, your marathon season's coming up. Marathon season's coming up. And I say, yo, I'm good. Like, and everybody's like, yo, you've helped us, you know. Um, you've helped us get to our goal. And at this point, this is probably like year three, year four of Ruku. This is 2017. And um, I'm like, yo, I'm good. I'm, and my mom starts crying. And she's like, why are you doubting yourself? In front of all my friends. And she's like, why is it that they cannot do it, but you keep saying that you can't, that you can't? Like, what makes them different from you? And I once again, goosebumps. And, and I'm so like, that's, that, that's it. <laughs> and I'm like, and, and then like, I'm like, I don't want to do it. And she's like, you don't want to do it because you don't want to. You don't want to do it because you're scared that you're going to fail. And, and everybody's encouraging me. And I'm like, yo, F it. I'm going to do it. I, I try to sign up. I don't get in. I'm banned by, I was banned by New York Roadrunners from making fake bibs. 
<laughs> Swag. The hood wanted to run. Those races were expensive. I did my Robin Hood thing, and yo, bro, I'm never gonna knock a man for doing what he needs for his community. For the, it was for the hood. It was like I wasn't doing anything wrong, but whatever. That shit is frowned upon. Do not. Bandit races It's not good It puts people's lives in jeopardy yeah. You have a fake bib If you pass out They don't know who you are They can't give you the medical attention you need Running with fake bibs Is frowned upon But whatever I was banned I was outside Look I did what I did I did what I did uh, I, It'll never happen again I have an amazing relationship With New York Roadrunners now But um, mm-hmm. It was I, I reached out to Nike And I was like Look I want to run this race I'm ready I promise, like, I'm ready to do this. They were doing this thing called Project Moonshot at the time. Um, I remember that. Which was amazing because it, it was, like, elite training. We had some of the best coaches. Um, you know, there's, and, and I'm biased, but, like, it's Nike, you know? Like, Nike yeah. going to get you ready for that marathon. Um, and they got me a bib. Last minute, they got me the bib, too, because we had to, like, go through a lot of hoops to get that bib. But I got my bib. I was unbanned. And Nike... Asked me if I wanted them to tell a story on me, or like to to tell my story of my marathon journey, and that's when yo know, my my heart dropped. I'm like, damn, because like if I flop, I flop on a major stage. You know, it was like <laughs> on, on at Nike NYC on Instagram, and it could have been beaten, um, but it was the most viewed video of of uh, at, to that date yeah. of all time. Uh, the only video that was uh, was uh, Leomi's video um, yeah. for for Pride. Yep. That, that video, like plus, I, yeah. I think I I beat that video. Like the, my story beat that video, and the brand was really hype. Now I was scared, bro, because I'm like, damn, like everyone's pumped to see Hector run this marathon. Twenty six point two. Twenty six point two. It ain't thirteen point one in my city. You know, like uptown. Like we got like my, we had a cheer zone on mile twenty one in Harlem. So like. <laughs> You know, like, I trained my ass off. When I'm talking about, yo, I've never trained. I went vegan for 50 days. Like, I, like I was moving different. Like, I was going to sleep early. I, was, I wasn't I was missing any long runs. That was the same year of Hurricane Maria. I was in DR, and I ran a long run. The day after the hurricane, my dad drove behind me in DR while I ran 17 miles. You know? And then we did it again the next weekend. I ran 16 miles. And then I came back to New York and ran 20. I know your dad was looking like this determination he had never seen in Nah, before. everybody everybody was like, yo, this is crazy. My dad was like, yo, just say you did it. Like, I'll just drive around the car and say you did it. I was like, nah, bro. Because he felt bad for me. He's like, yo, bro, like, the roads are bad. Like, there's trees falling. I'm like, yo, if I don't do this, I'm a flop. And Not only that, but you, you, you have to condition your body yeah, yeah. for these moments. Yeah. You got to get up you to got, You got to know what mile 15 feels like. Exactly. Or you will die. Like you will le- legit, like I'm not going to, like I'm, I'm exaggerating, but there's people, people die during these marathons. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't fake being at mile 20. You got to know what the fuck that feels exactly. like. Exactly. Um, but uh, there's, like funny story, like I won't drive over the Willis Avenue bridge. Like to this day, I will not drive over the Willis Avenue bridge. I, I go the long way. Um, I'm I'm terrified over the Willis Avenue Bridge. Mile 20, we were running, and uh, there's this thing they tell you. And I'm, I'm a, it's gonna get a little graphic, but they tell you like not to trust the fart. And yeah. you know, I trusted one, and I had an accident, and I had to go into a. I was probably at mile 17 um, during training. That was my 20 mile run, and I went into a gas station, bought a thing of soap, and washed my shorts by hand. Put my shorts back on and finished because uh, my coach, the coach at the time, Coach Finley, was like, look. Mile tw- if you don't run your 20-mile run, you're going to have a really hard marathon. 
So, you know, I, I ran, I finished that day and then I had a shoot. I shot my, I shot my, uh, my Nike spot that day after running 20 miles, having my accident, I was destroyed, bro. I remember calling at mile 19 of that day of that training run. I was at Central Park. Central Park was, there was a parade happening and I said, fuck it. I'm done. I had $3 on me. I bought a Coke. I don't know why, but the Coke like brought me back to life and I was limping and I said, I'm going to take an Uber to Nike town. Um, I said, I'm going to take an Uber. And, I, and mm-hmm. I could, the Uber would have taken me longer because of the parade than if I would have ran it. <laughs> so I ended up, the Uber put me at Nike Town in like 20 minutes because of the, yeah. the, 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 all the blocks on, on I was on, on Fifth parade, Avenue. Yeah. So I, all the roadblocks. So I, I, I ran. I ended up running my 20-mile run. I called uh, Patty and Ref. They were waiting for me. I, I, it took me so long that everybody left Nike Town. So I, they were waiting for me at whatever that big hotel, the Plaza Hotel or something. Plaza, yeah. And I called her crying. I called Patty and Ref. I'm like, yo, please don't leave me. Like, yeah, I got my stuff. They're like, yo, just take your time. We're going to be here. And uh, that was amazing. That was, uh, it was, it was surreal for me because at, at that whole run, I was just like, yo, you can't fuck up, Hector. Like, the world is watching. Like, Nike's going to post this. Like, what are you going to tell your kids? What are you going to tell your kids when you flop? What are you going to tell the running community? And uh, that should, that's what drove me throughout the whole marathon, man. My marathon, I it rained for 20 miles, bro. And I get to mile 21, and I see she, was my, she wasn't my fiance yet. My girlfriend at the time, my mom, my dad. Hendrix is still a baby. Hendrix is sleeping. And Hendrix was awake, and Hector was sleeping. So Hendrix was in the carriage, and my mom is holding Hector. And I want him to see me because, yo, bro, the whole 20 miles, I'm just like, yo, I'm going to see my son. My son's going to see me in this glory. The picture's amazing. This confetti. Everybody's looking like, yo, who's this guy? Like, who's this guy with all this noise, you know? And it, it was just like this party. The pictures are like just confetti. There's a, a, a camera crew recording me. No one knows what's going on. And I'm shaking Hector because like, I want him to wake up. And my mom's like, Hector. And she's whispering to me, Stop. You're gonna hurt the baby, but in my, I just really wanted my son to see his dad like in his glory. In his glory, it was pouring. They had been there for hours, but you know, my mom was there, my dad was there, my sister. It was it was so much energy, um, and and I finished, man. I finished, and uh, and and I was fucking destroyed, bro. When you finish the New York City Marathon, you gotta walk all the way to 81st Street. You probably gotta walk like a mile. Almost a mile to get out of the park because you know they have everything blocked yeah. for security measures. And I remember just walking, and my dad and my brother were waiting for me in front of the Museum of Natural History. And we, we had to take the train because my dad didn't drive because of the traffic. And I remember just being destroyed, getting home to the Bronx, and just being like, yo, I'm gonna just stay here. Fucking after party. I'm gonna just stay in the Bronx. I had two slices of pizza, two slices of bum ass pizza because that's what it was. It was really bad pizza on Bailey in the Bronx. Of course. Horrible pizza. Like, like bread and cheese, but it was uh, it was it was amazing. I, it was, I remember just like the next day, I got written up at work. Um, and I asked for the day off. They said no, so I went into I went into work to sign my write up with my medal on. Took my medal off, put it on the desk, signed it, and said fuck it. It didn't matter. It was worth it. Nobody was gonna take that moment from me. Um, and and that moment made me realize like all the doubt I had, it, it was removed because it was like. That was the only milestone I was missing as a runner to even out the playing field. Because everybody could have said, oh, you run, but you're not a marathoner. You Like, you know, everybody else had that on me. And now I was able, I'm a runner. I'm a marathoner, you know. It doesn't matter what you say. You have nothing on me. Cool, I'm fat. Cool, I'm slow. Um, You know, cool, I'm new to the running community. But you ran a marathon, so did I. 
You ran ten, cool. I ran one. It's cool. Second marathon, I did. The, I did the Chicago marathon I, at mile twenty four. I cracked open a beer and I poured it on my head. I made a video and I was like, "Yo, find me another marathon and sign me the fuck up." I felt great, strong. The second time I did it, you know, and I didn't post that video though till I was finished because I was like, "Yo, I still got two miles to go. So much can happen in forty blocks." <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's really bad if you post a video like that and then epic you get fail. Hurt. epic fail. You epic know? fail. So I posted the video when I was done, but it was like, it was a different monster. It was like it's one of those things where people say you can't, and I did, you know, and and I used that story to to. I can't wait for my kids to tell me, "Yo, I can't do this. I can't do that." I was like, "Yeah, you can. I'm gonna go get the New York City Marathon medal." And uh, in the back of the medal, it says Crisali, Hector, and Hendrix. Because without them, I wouldn't have been able to finish that day. You know? Wow. That was a lot. That was a lot. But it was... Bro, like, I I have butterflies right now. It's the truth, man. Now, Ruku turns eight years old. Eight years old. You've seen people who had... Was in the same place as you. Mm -hmm. Overcome their fears. Overcome their triumphs. You've also grown with people. You've lost people as well. Yes. How has that been? Um, you know, Root Crew is the family I never thought I needed. You know, like uh, just being around all these people constantly. You know, and 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 uh, that's what community is. You know, it's a it's a common people sharing like sh- with shared struggle. Uh, at least that's my definition. You know, and everyone's feeling the same thing on the run. Um, it's the last eight years have been amazing. It's, uh, watching people grow, watching relationships come out of root crew, uh, friendships, uh, um, partnerships, um, uh, jobs, uh, careers. Uh, and it's, it's, it, it's been fun to watch. And it, what's, what's more fun for me is to say like, damn, man, like this started cause of you, you know, you, you started this, um, you know, like, uh, the butterfly effect. That's the best way I can explain it. You know, like I start to think like, yo, what if I would have never, never dated that person and I would have never felt that way? You know, would this, would I be where I'm at today? Would we be having this conversation? Um, what if I would have never met Josh? Where Ruku, where would have Ruku been then? You know, or, or, or what if I would have given up the same way I gave up skateboarding and I gave up baseball and rugby yeah. and, and like, you know, everything else that I've picked up and dropped. But everything that you've picked up and dropped was all a team thing. Where it seems like like soccer, well, not skateboarding, but like rugby, baseball, all that's when people are depending on you. The beautiful thing about running is you're depending on yourself. Uh, exactly. So the way I explain running, especially like like crew running, because that's a it's very different. It's a um, running is a team sport with individual goals. You know, like we run uptown. Root crew is a team or a family. But you know, if ref is training for Boston, ref's going to Boston by himself. I'm not qualifying for Boston with him. That's his accolade. You know, so it's all these individual goals and individual accolades. But we all come back together to celebrate. Um, and and coming back to what I said about like you know, breaking down those barriers, like it, it 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 does have some of that uptown feel and that that New York City grit you know where it's like it's your crew it's your squad it's your people you know it's like these are the people that I lean into you know on on Monday I brought my kids to and we ran three 3.8 miles 3.7 miles we ran the bridge the bridge is hard to run and I had my kids there and I wasn't scared you know I was running with Hendrix and Yorkies was running with Hector and I was able to do that with open arms and 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 not have to worry about is my son safe because I know the people that are around me. I know who, 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 
like I have a really good judge of character and 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 people are like oh okay, I, I don't want to leave like I'll take my watch off put it in my bag and leave it there with everybody else's bag and I don't have to worry about somebody stealing my watch or stealing my laptop or stealing Josh's camera because we know the community that we've built you know we know that the the support system when somebody comes up to me and tells me like yo bro I was suicidal last week and the run changed my life you know that shit holds weight you know, because it holds a responsibility and integrity, a hundred percent, and I can, and that's why I carry it the way I carry it. Like I don't play like Rue Crew is. I, I I take it very serious because I see the impact that it's had on the community, and every other crew leader will tell you the same thing. You know, Lenny from from Boogie Down, uh, Miguel from Miles Styles, they'll tell you the same thing. Where it's like, this becomes an extension of your family, and it becomes like like yo, the amount of arguments that I've gotten into at home with my fiance, like I almost lost my my fi- my family to. Because of, like, Rue Crew is a part of that, but because of this, everything else that I'm doing, you know? Like, yeah. for her, and, and she sees it. She sees what I'm doing, but it's, like, it's so important to me. Like, Rue Crew is, 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 is my firstborn, you know? And I think, I think what happens is it comes from an athletic standpoint and it comes from a creative standpoint. And sometimes when you have relationships, it's hard for people to understand yeah. that passion and hard to understand that, like, I need this to be the best version of myself for you. Well, I when when I like I barely miss run day, uh, run days runs, <laughs> Monday Monday night runs, and Josh barely misses. But like whenever I have to miss, yo, you feel like the FOMO, the yearning, yo, and it's a, it's the same Monday run that we do every Monday that we've been doing for eight years. But yo, every Monday I get butterflies. Every Monday I get nervous to talk to people because it's it's it, it, it's. Yo, it's it feels real, man. It feels like you can feel the impact. And now we're shifting. Like Josh and I's focus is completely different than it was eight years ago. You know, eight years ago we wanted to be the cool kids on the block. We're spraying coronas at, at, yeah. at running events and stuff. But now our focus is like Gen Z. Like, how do we really tap into the youth uptown? And how do we really get the the like? How do we use running as a vehicle for change? You know, we we. I'm self-taught, you know. Like I landed my dream job this this two weeks ago. Yes, congratulations! Thank you, thank you, that, man. Thank you, and 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 I owe that in part to Rue Crew, and 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 it, my work ethic speaks for itself. But everything that I've learned in the last eight years has been because of Rue Crew. The good, the bad, everything, the highlights, the lowlights. Yeah, you know, and and and, and I'm able to walk into a boardroom and and pitch a, a fifty thousand dollar idea, a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar idea. You know, I'm able to create a deck. I'm able to to speak to to a, to a brand executive. I'm able to ask for money. I'm able to 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 create content. You know, crowdfund. These are all things that no one taught us uptown. Look where we're sitting at. Look at this. We, we're in a podcast room. There's like we're, the. Our, our peers are creating magic that they taught themselves. Now imagine if we if we could harness all of that, all of that teaching, and give it to the to the youth, and and give them a head start, so they don't have to teach themselves, so they don't have to YouTube and they don't have to Google, and they have the resources to do those things. Think when about life how many isn't people, their teacher. What happened when life isn't their teacher? Exactly. You know, you don't have to make the mistakes that we made in order to get like you know. And, and, and that's my goal right now. And, and it's really focusing. And, and right now we're just figuring out how to do it correctly for our demographic of town. But um, that's the goal. It's how do we leave an impact? How does Rue Crew last 20 years when I'm no longer here? You know, uh, not, not, I'm not planning yeah, on not dying in 20 years. Yeah. But I'm just I saying, like, when I'm no longer running. Legacy, yeah. I, I don't want to be, I'm, I'm 30. I don't want to be 50 years old rushing to Mitchell Square Park to host 
a 5K at yeah. 50, 60 years old, you know? <laughs> you want to show up and be like, yeah, I'm here because... I'm here because I came to run. Like, yo, yeah. Pasquale or, 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 or yeah. Robert that's hosting the run. Yo, yo we, we have the founder of We Run Up Town yeah. here. Big shout out to him. You know, something like that. But... That is the goal. It's how do you leave a legacy, and 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 that's where our shift, where where our focus is shifting now. What would you tell eleven year old you? Uh, believe in yourself, and 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 don't let other people's fears scare you. And a lot of times, I feel like I let my my family's fears, and 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 by no means am I demonizing them for anything, but I let the things that scared them scare me. Um. And 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 it wasn't up to until like like two weeks ago I put in a two week notice and or three weeks ago I put in a two week notice and I was shook. I was leaving my my union of ten years and 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 everyone's like, Yo, you sure you're gonna leave your union job? You're gonna leave your union job? And 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 I was I was tapping into that fear again. I was like, Nah, man. After I looked at my medals, I was like, Nah, fuck that, bro. We outside. You no, know, we good. We, we, we back here. at it again. We out of here. You've you've completed that race. Life has given you a new race. Yeah. And you seem like you're well prepared. It seems like you've put everything in together to build you up for this next marathon that you're running. Yeah, yeah, man. I'm trying I'm trying to I'm I don't want to be scared, man. I don't want to tell my kids I lived in fear. I don't want to tell my kids like uh and 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 I haven't said this story publicly, but I I, I got attacked at work. Um I got attacked by a psych patient. And um, that shit really fucked me up, you know. I took a t- took a couple of days off at work. I went to Jamaica, um, which was dope. I, I just I needed time to unwind. And when I got back to work, I was like, "Yeah, this is not for me." I started applying to everything under the sun. Um, when a couple of days after I got back, um, me, my boy Duna, and the boys are, are um, Hector Hendricks are going home. And Hector asks Duna, "Like, well, yo, what did you want to do when you got older?" Um, and Duna goes, "Like, I wanted to play for the NBA." And he goes, oh, but, I, but I'm, I'm a, I have to call everyone that works in, in, a, in healthcare a hospital worker. He's like, but you're a hospital worker. He's like, yeah, I didn't make it to the NBA, X, Y, and Z. And then he asks me what I wanted to do. And I look at Hector and I'm like, I, I wanted to work at Nike for, for, like, for a very long time, ever since I can remember. I've wanted to work with Nike or at Nike. And Hector goes, but you work, you work, with, you work for Nike, Dada. And I'm like, no, Papi, I work with Nike, which is different. Have a partnership with Nike, and he's like, "You're only thirty. It's never too late." Hey, this son is body. Yeah, Hector, Hector, yo, Hector yo, for body. real, for real, for real. The, the next interview is with Hector. <laughs> <laughs> but it, like, fast forward, like he told me that he's like, "Yo, it's never too late to like." Ch-. What he meant to say was, it never, "It's never too late to chase your dreams," you know. And and I, I got there, you know. I got I got where I wanted to get, and it's it's it, it was. Bro, this is coming from a six-year-old. He's telling you, don't be scared. Don't, and that's what, I, what I've been trying to teach and my kids. And live life on your own terms, he's saying, too. Exactly. And success is, I think, what our generation is doing is we are de- we're defining and looking at success differently. Mm-hmm. We are not taking success the conventional way. You're not going to tell me I need to do this, this, and this to get to this position. If I have the life experience, if I've if people look at me this this way, then I am that, and you can't take that away from 100%. me. One hundred percent. And just a, a quick tidbit to like any parents listening: do not like don't put your fears on your kids, man. Like whatever your child decides they want to do, whether it, they want to be a fashion designer, or they want to play ball, or, or they want to whatever they whatever they want to do, yo, empower them. 
Cause you never know, you know, like don't put your your don't instill your shit onto your kid, you know? Like I want you to be a doctor, I want you to be a nurse. Let them decide what they want to be. But Hector, tell the people where they can find you, man. Um, if you you can find me on all socials at Heck is Dead, H E C I S D E A D. Um and uh on Mondays at seven fifteen, uh at We Run Up Town, Rue Crew, at Rue Crew, W R U C R E W. Yo, Hector, thank you for stopping by, man. Oh, man thank you for having me. It. Of course, man. Are you going to come run with us, though, now? Oh, that's a fact and offending. Okay, I don't have a choice now because okay, Josh is going to fuck me up. This is good. I like Yo, that. you already know what it is. It's Robbie Digital. This is live from the stoop. Tune in until next time. Let's go.